This is Ember. You're listening to the Ember Podcast with Roger Edwards. Well, Happy New Year and welcome back for another season of Ember. I hope everyone is continuing to learn how to function in this new world we live in. You know, COVID has brought on so many changes and one of the biggest changes has been the essentialness of online learning. My guest today knows that firsthand. Daniel Knowles is a first grade teacher with 20 years, 20 years of experience, but nothing prepared him for this year as he is teaching virtually from home. Daniel and I became friends at the Point Church and uh, found we had a lot of things in common and I'm glad to call him and his family close friends of I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. If you do, please share, download, and rate the podcast. Well, Daniel, thanks for being here today. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Daniel, uh, with with the introduction and everything, I talked a little bit about your uh, uh, your wife and your family. Your your wife, Andrea, has already recorded with me for, for the church. Tell me a little bit about your version of the family and how you and Andrea met. Okay, so I'm going to try to get this right because I'm sure she's going to listen to it also. So uh, Andrea and I met back in 2008, and she had come to our school as a preschool teacher. She was a preschool teacher there, and uh, she had caught my attention because she was such a beautiful girl and I thought well there's no chance there's no chance I'm sure she's got a boyfriend I don't stand a chance to ask her out so I just kind of put it to the side didn't think too much about it um, although I did think about it I did think about her a lot so one day our janitor who was at the school at the time came to me in the middle of teaching and he said this girl named Andrew was asking about you the, pre- the preschool teacher I was like ah, no there's no way I didn't really believe him at first because I thought she's already got a boyfriend and then short time after that, probably a few days later, I believe it was, um, the speech teacher at our school came to me and said, Andrew was asking about you. And I was like, okay, you're a little bit more reputable. I, I believe you a little bit more. <laughs> and so I thought about it. And then a couple days later, our secretary came to me and said, Andrew is asking about, about you and wondering you know, about you if you're dating anybody or single or anything. Here's her number. Give, give her a call. And I was completely floored because, you know, I think it took three times for God to hit me over the head with a club and say, give this girl a call. So I got her number, picked up the phone, nervous about giving her a call. I gave her a call and I knew that it was something special because I'm not someone who really likes to talk on the phone for a long time. But I knew it was something special because we ended up talking on the phone for probably two hours like that first time. And one of the most important things I asked her, I said, there's only I have one question for you. How do you like your orange juice? Pulp or no pulp? And I said, there's only one way to answer this question. And she got it right. It was pulp. So I knew it was something special. <laughs> so that's that's generally how we met. Went on a first date. Uh, spent a lot of time just even after we finished eating dinner, hanging out and talking. And it was really relaxed and calm. And I feel like I could continue to talk with her. And it was just kind of a, a cool thing. And there was something certainly special there. And so... We continued dating. Nine months later, got engaged um, in November and then got married the following June. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and you got the two little nutcases. Absolutely. Yeah. Hudson, who is three, um, and Weston, who is eight. 
Yes, and they're special. They're great kids. Um, Weston, our oldest, is really into sports football right now. It's, it blows my mind how he can pull off stats and things that happened in last year or many years ago with plays. Uh, so he's really good at that. Um, and he's playing flag football right now, so he enjoys that. And then Hudson, on the other hand, he loves to uh, just be around the house and play with his. He's really into garbage trucks, and he loves garbage trucks and anything trash-related and watching those videos. So <laughs> we do a lot of that. That's awesome. <laughs> they're, they're two great boys. It's opposite it gets, but uh, they're, they're two little brothers that, uh, two brothers that get along yes. particularly well. And uh, Weston's a, a kid after my own heart. Uh, <laughs> I've already told it's, you, like, he's, he's my – him and, uh, and, and Brad's boy max are my kind of my uh to uh if I, I don't have any nephews but if i if i could pick two kids that would be perfect to be my nephew i'd like those two boys because <laughs> they love sports just like me and and uh and my son jordan they remind remind me of uh of of jordan a lot when when he was at that age so gotcha all right okay totally off track and this probably all right have you heard the latest craze because you and i are both food connoisseurs uh, uh the orange juice thing made me think about it have you heard the new <laughs> bojangles combination that's kind of gone wild on social media no i'm i feel like i'm out of the loop cajun filet biscuit with with the uh, pimento cheese which i'm not a pimento cheese fan and bowberry together no way and i would never have put the two together no anybody that's had it has just like said it's the best thing ever so it's like a bowberry biscuit with the Cajun filet and pimento cheese on it. Yeah, or, or like a, a bowberry in between the Cajun filet. Okay. And, and you can actually, <clears throat> I mean, it's, you, they, you won't see it on the menu, but you can request that they be put together. And supposedly it's like this big, I, I heard on FNZ, <laughs> the guy's talking about it, and um, and it's become this big, I want to say it's UVA, UVA for some reason is like the way you, des- what you describe or what you, or yeah, I want the, you know, Cajun no way. Yeah, yeah. Never would have put the two together, but supposedly it's really good. Really now, good. I haven't heard that. That kind of reminds me like of the McGriddle where they did the two pancakes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it sounds like Bojangles has stepped their game up even above McDonald's. The, the, the salt and the you know, salty and you the sweet together. It. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I just wanted to get that out there while I was thinking about it. Well, I know where I'm heading afterwards right. now. <laughs> so, uh, again, you're a, you're a first grade teacher at. Ida Rankin Elementary. In, in uh, Mount Holly, right? That's correct. Okay. And you've yes. been there for how long? This is my 20th year, mm-hmm. which blows my mind because time goes by so fast. So, yeah. Uh, I spent my first year in third grade and then spent the next 11 or 12 in fourth, one year in second, and this is my seventh or eighth in first. If that adds up to twenty, okay. <laughs> so yeah, something so, like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll let Weston do the math. You know, he'll get it figured out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, in, in how different has this year been from previous? And let me explain. Yeah, you are teaching from from at home, right? Online. That's correct. Yep. All right. So, so tell everybody how different this has been for you in in all your years of education. Well, I think first of all, it's the fact that uh, not being in the classroom. Uh, there's so many factors. You know, I've I've given a lot of thought, and everybody's gone through so much change. But with first graders, there's a lot that has to happen. And first grade is a, a big year for learning how to read, and. Doing it virtually is, has been a big challenge this year. Um, there is also the fact that, you know, um, 
kids with you know things going on at home, background noises, uh, other siblings who are trying to learn um, has also presented a challenge. Uh, it, it's taken a while to get used to, but I will say that I feel like it's gotten better since September, and I feel like really now the kids I teach online are really starting to fall into the groove of things. And so it's it's gotten better. Um, I still think we have a long ways to go um, and some hurdles that we have to jump and cross and, and get better at. But it has gotten better, but it's it's been certainly a learning curve for me, my, my family, kids, other families, our county. Um, but I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful, you know, so but I, I certainly think that it will it will never take the place of being in class with an actual mm-hmm. teacher one on one or in small groups or in your classroom. So let's let's start off with the pause. What okay. what do you think if there's any uh, positive things about the online and teaching online for, for you? What what have you seen? Well, this might sound a little selfish and maybe a little kind of, um, I don't know. But I, one thing that I have enjoyed is the fact that I'm kind of saving on gas money. I'm at home. I go from my bedroom to our bonus room where I have my computer set up. Um, I think that's a really good thing. Um, it's been very convenient for me and my family. We've had some adjustments with the kids going to another school and Andrea taking another job, um, different job, and then me doing this. So it's been, it's been ease of access, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, plus... It gives me a chance to see families and kind of see environments and have this kind of virtual, you know, I can write then and there, solve problems, reach out to a parent with email or a phone call or, or something like that. So, um, and, and, and we, there's technology there that has allowed us to do that, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's websites or things like that kids can put work on or drop their assignments on or we can upload stuff, watch stuff, play things. Um, so it's, like I said, it's still learning. Um, but it's you know it's been it's been good. Do you think this uh, the kids learning at home has brought to light how involved parents are? Like when you're there at school and the kids are with you, you just kind of I mean I mean you can tell. So I'm, right. I was married to an educator for for 15 years, so I know yeah. I saw how uh, you know discussions about the parental involvement and you mm-hmm. know and the frustrations there. Are you able to see it? Is it, is it more there that who who's really involved with their kids and who isn't? I believe you can tell. There are some families who are really involved um, and some families who, just to be honest, it seems like they're put in front of the computer and duct tape to the seat. <laughs> right. And we'll come check on you in an hour or two. You know, so and to a certain extent there that is a time for the kids to learn, mm-hmm. to sit there and to participate in discussions, turn in their assignments, uh, things like that, and to, you know, be in the classroom setting virtually. On the other hand, there are some families, though, that it's it's been a challenge for them. There's things happening in the background um, that causes distractions. Um, but I think sometimes, too, the kids and things, that, you know, they just get up and walk away. I've had some kids get up and walk <laughs> away, and they won't come back for 30 minutes. Yeah. And so that's frustrating. Yeah. Um, some kids have fallen asleep. You know, um, I, we've had, I've had a problem here recently with kids coming to class and they think they can lay on the couch with the covers up around their neck and just it's kind of like a TV show. I'm just, as long as I put my computer in front of me and I'm looking and listening, that's all I got to do. And just that's a hurdle. Yeah. You got to sit up. You got to get your paper ready. You got to get yeah. ready to participate and write. This isn't just. And I would think the younger they are, the harder it would be it to, to you know for them to keep the attention. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. It has been. 
so that I just uh, you know that that brings to light some of the the natives um, and you know, I guess I, kids staying attentive, uh, especially right. you know kids with the kids who uh, who had who have uh, ADD. I'm sure just sitting in a chair, uh, it's hard for them to to pay attention and, yeah. and stay focused. So I know it's it's got to be a challenge. It is, and I think too that. You know, when when you're dealing with with younger kids, obviously their attention span is a lot shorter. Uh, and then when you put them at home, where they're probably even more relaxed, and the dog's barking, and someone's coming in and out the door, and something's happening in the kitchen, all of that just kind of makes it more challenging to really keep their attention and keep them focused. And and to be honest, and and what I've been thinking about a lot here lately is I think. Unfortunately, you're going to see this play out for years to come. I think kids academically are going to be behind, um, even with our best efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm not saying you won't have some kids. You will have some kids who are grow. You might have some kids yeah. who stay the same. You may have some kids who drop. But um, be, since we got out in March of last year, when uh, the pandemic was first beginning, a lot of these kids I noticed, and me being a first grade teacher, they didn't get to finish their kindergarten year. Yeah. So from March until the end of May, first of June, they missed that. Then you've got the summer, and then sorting out virtual. And we didn't start probably till the beginning of September, middle of September, and get into the swing of things. That's a big gap. Yeah. And so a lot of these kids who came in were already behind academically. Yeah. And so we had, we had to I had to scale back my teaching and meet them where they were. Yeah. And and that was to be expected. And that's yeah. okay. We, we'll do with we work with what we got and do the best we can. Yeah. And, and I'm sure too. Uh, I mean, there are some parents out there who are very active in their kids' mm-hmm. education. They they read through with their kids during the summer and were you know tried to you know keep help them adjust to to the changes. And but again, there's others that are just they're, they're working and they just don't have right. the time. Or you know, then of course there's always the parents who just are just parents because they're parents. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you've got everything in between there. And yeah. I think you, you're exactly right, Roger. There's some who are very involved and who set up a great learning environment for their kids where. They they have their paper ready, their math workbook ready. There's, it's quiet, whether that be in their kitchen or their living, wherever. And then you have some families, like you said, who are just struggling to make ends meet and who are just trying to get out the door to to their job. Mm-hmm. And so they're just trying to just make it yeah. and, and hoping that their kid gets what they need to get academically while they do what they need to do. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's hard. And, you just have to do the best you can with it. What's what's been one of the most humorous things that's happened? Uh, oh man, I, sh- uh, I should have <laughs> been writing a list of things <laughs> down. Uh, one thing is, and this just pops into my head, is I had a kid at the end of class. Well, let me back up. So when we first started virtual teaching, I would get the question probably, I don't know. 20 times in the first hour. Can we hang up now? Is class over? Are we done? You know, from kids, which is normal. That's what first graders, yeah. they want to go outside and play. Uh, but I did have a kid who one day at the end of the class, he fell asleep at his kitchen table. And, and I saw his eyes drooping, of course, the blankets up. And I kept trying to tell him, wake up, sit up, yeah. you know. And, and I do some things where they get up and move themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but he fell asleep. And I kept calling his name and calling his name and calling for the parent's name. For probably a good 15 or 20 minutes after class is over and he was still asleep and I could not wake him up. So eventually I just, I had to leave the meeting. Yeah. And I came back on there an hour later and I reckon he had woken up and hung up from the meeting. So he was back the next day. <laughs> so, that's, oh, kids. That's one among many things, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Um, well, in the in the midst of of all this, uh, you know, one of the questions that you know that I think about a lot, and I've in, in talking to people who are in education and, and who are Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some who, who teach in Christian schools because they feel like in a public school teach in, in environment, they're not able to be themselves to the point of being able to feel free to share their faith okay. and things like that. Um, for you, being in the public school system as long as you have been and being a Christian, how have you been able to manage that, you know, on, on both ends with, you know, uh, being able to, to live your faith out, but also... Um, stay within the lines of, you know, uh, not being on everybody's radar as a, you know, there's a, there's that Christian teacher, right. And, you know, don't put him in this class. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for him. That's a really good question. Um, and I, I believe you can do that and still be just as effective, uh, to be a Christian and be a teacher. Yes. I'm not up there spouting Bible verses, you know, and open up your hymn books and, and passing the offering plate in my class. But what I am doing is, I think showing patience, uh, showing grace, forgiveness. I, I believe one of the biggest opportunities for me comes after class. Um, in all my years in education, what I have found is I feel like more and more there are a lot more parents who are coming to me, not well for academic support and ideas, but to also parenting tips. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of great conversations with parents after school, you know, about strategies, techniques, things you can do with your kids at home, mm-hmm. how to build a good family, what a good functioning family looks and sounds like. Um, my wife, Andrea, has given me tons of ideas, and we have lots of conversations. And, you know, we're not perfect at our home, but we believe in certain things. Um, it reminds me of a story I had with a kid two years I believe it was two years ago, and um, the parent came to me and was just concerned because um, the child would come home, go in the room. This is the first grader, mind you. Go in her room, shut the door, and be on YouTube until long hours of the night. And he would come in, and he could barely keep his eyes open. And she shared this with me. And so I helped her to come up with a strategy saying, you know, you're the parent. You can take that out of the room. You're in control of that. Mm-hmm. You set the limits on that. And we came up with an idea of writing some goals and putting it on a refrigerator. Um, also, the kid was unable to ride a bike. And I tried my best to arrange, said, bring them down at school. I'll meet them on a Saturday, and we'll take the training wheels off. We'll practice riding our bike. And something came up, and they weren't able to make it. But I did keep checking in with this parent throughout the rest of the year and saying, how are those goals going? And I would check in with the kid, how are your goals going during the, during the day? And so a lot of times in those conversations with parents, at, you know, not academic, but the parent piece of our conversation, that's, I think that's where you can work in sharing your faith. And, hey, our church is offering this, or here's some things I've learned this mm-hmm. week, or some scripture, or just the, how can I pray for you? Which, you know, Ray, you know, has, says a lot. And I yeah. think that's a great kind of segue to share that and to open up because there's been a lot that I've said that to and it started a great conversation about faith and going to church and some really good things have come from it. That's awesome. Uh, and and leading into that, t- tell us, tell me a little bit about um, your uh, your journey with, with with God. You know, I I, I mentioned earlier one of my favorite 
podcast to listen to is Matthew West. And he talks about growing up in a pastor's home, being on the couch, uh, on the blue couch. Uh, and even though he grew up in that environment of, you know, the words church, uh, it was finally at age 15 that he, God became real to him watching the Billy Graham crusade, uh, on, on that blue couch. You know, I, I kind of see that as that moment. You know, God was with Moses his whole life, but you know, when he encountered that burning bush, that was the moment that God became real to him. So, when when did God really become real to you in in, in your life? I remember being saved when I was um, before I was a teenager, um, nine years old, and I remember coming home from church one day, you know, thinking about salvation and trying to wrap my head around it and to make sense and should I have felt this and should this have happened and. You know, just like a normal person would kind of do, am, am I good enough? Did I do the right thing to mm-hmm. get saved? And I remember specifically being in the car and we were going around a curve. And I remember the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart and said, it's enough. You know, have faith in me. Believe that I sent Jesus Christ to redeem all of humanity and to die on a cross for your sins. And if you believe in him, then you'll have everlasting life. And it became very clear to me at that point, and I got it. I was trying to make it something very complex. And even though God is complex, I also think He's simple. And so I think at that moment, He needed to speak to my heart and to remind me that it's simply that. Mm -hmm. And so that moment, it became very real for me, and I understood it better. Now, of course, I'm always learning. And, you know, from that age till now, a lot has happened. Um, You know, going through college, in and out, you know, I mean, I, I attended church regularly and, and read my Bible and, and was in groups and things like that. But I think after college, being more in your career and having time, uh, I, I went back home and lived with my parents for some years after finishing college. And I remember many times um, at night going downstairs in my parents' basement where I, where I lived with them and would just, when my parents were to go to bed, I would have conversations with God. And I really believe that's where my prayer life developed. And God has really blessed me with the, with the ability to pray. And I love to pray. I love to pray. And I remember sitting downstairs in that basement so many times and just talking to God and just talking to him like I'm talking to you right mm-hmm. now, like he's sitting next to the chair and having real conversation. This is what I'm struggling with. I don't understand this. I'm mad about this. Thank you for that. And it, and it became, it wasn't about formalities and using the right words, but it was just about a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that changed my, my spiritual walk and who I was. And uh, since then, you know, attending church and we came to the point and it's been, it's been wonderful. My spiritual life has grown. We've really connected with a lot of people in small group, uh, getting into the Bible more. And then when you, when you get married and you have children, that, that changes too, because you want to provide them a good example. And so... And God gives you opportunities uh, every minute of the every day to uh, <laughs> to exercise uh, patience, uh, love, joy. patience, oh, yes, and everything else. Yes, and that's the that's, that's the challenging part too, because I mean, you know, kids are going to be kids, and and there's there's that time to show grace, and there's also that time to be you know the parent and the authority, uh, and there's that time that I think kids teach you and you teach them, and and you really and I know it sounds maybe cliche, but you really I feel like I understand more of the father son relationship and the you know, Jesus is our father and we're his children. And, um, you know, someone made a good point to me along, I forget how many years ago was, they said, you know, all of God's children are disobedient. And that's so true. 
you know. And so mm-hmm. when our kids are disobedient, it shouldn't come as a surprise. So and and you those moments where God speaks to you through your child. I remember when Jordan was little <laughs> and we were riding in the car one day and and uh, um, I had a crazy driver in front of me and we I got around the driver and, and passed him and and then uh, Jordan looked over to the car and you know to the left and looked to the right and looked to the left and looked to the right again and he turned to me and said yeah dad it was a woman driver and then at that point i knew i was like oh i gotta watch what i say in front of this kid i was like do not tell your mom you said that so but yeah th- those moments those absolutely moments. and i've had plenty of those too with my own kids you know whether it be patience or whether it be maybe you're saying something that you know they repeat something you've said and it's kind of like that ugh, it kind of sticks you and you're like okay i, I need to there's a lesson to be learned here, you know, and to take that and and not let it beat you down or, you know, get you all offended. But wait a minute, maybe it's a check to say, hey, you know, I can be better. I can do better. I can say better. I can live better. Um, all right. Uh, again, just jump from one subject to another. I, I love it. COVID finally possibly goes away. Let's say a year from now, uh, we're not wearing masks. Things are getting back to the way that we consider normal. Do you see online learning staying like it has and people, kids staying at home, or do you see most kids going back to school? You know, that's a good question, Roger. I've thought about that a lot. Um, I believe that it seems like, you know, more choice for parents and families is kind of what we're going to. Um, in the county, in Gaston County, where I teach, uh, there are some students who are learning entirely on their pace. Mm-hmm. And they get the assignments and they go at their pace. And then there's people like me who are teaching virtual and they meet with me on the computer. And then you have kids in the brick and mortar schools who actually are going. Um, I don't see virtual learning going away. I think there's too many platforms and opportunities and technology out there for families and kids to to continue their education Mm -hmm. and kind of of do it at their pace and and what works for them. I believe it's been very beneficial for some families, and it's been very hard for some families. But I, I don't see it going away. I think it's now a matter of okay, how can we navigate this and provide a service and make it better for our families and for our kids and for our schools and for education, and at the same time, how can we, um, you know, continue to do the right thing and to help people out and stuff. So uh, I think it's it might might kind of split and go into a lot of different directions. Who knows? All right, let's have some fun. All right. Uh, best dad joke. <laughs> teaching first grade, you get you get all the, the corny jokes all the time. I'm, I, or, you know, what's one of the best dad jokes you've heard recently? Okay, I'm, I'm thankful for this because it just came to my mind. I had a kid ask me the other day. He said, um, it, was, it was a girl. What did she say? She said, um, how... Oh, goodness, what did she say? How did the, how did the orca learn to play an instrument? And it was in an orchestra or something like that. Uh-huh. That's not that funny. But anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to think of best dad joke. Uh, gosh, there's so many, Roger. I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. All right. Uh, I wish I need to get better what, at dad jokes. What's uh, what's um, one of the uh, typical answers you get from kids when you call on to answer a question? <laughs> now, I know like if you were teaching at, at church, it would be God or Jesus. You know, those right. are the – but like what's the typical uh, – answer that you get from a kid who has no clue what you're talking about what's what what's one of the maybe funny responses that you've gotten oh goodness i have i had a dollar for every time i heard i don't know where where are we <laughs> or you know some random number seven and we're like in talking about something in real yeah. and it's just way out in left field so nothing surprises me i almost expect something to be 
completely random and just like off the cuff and kind of far out there. What what's the one thing you miss about not being at the school? And don't give me the typical like being able to interact with the kids. You know, That's get, a good get, one. give me a selfish like what you the one thing you miss about being at school. It's the teachers' lounge. Okay. It's a lush oasis of like, you know, rest and you can get a, you know, have something out of the drink machine. No, it's not that. Uh, the one thing I think, I think interacting with my colleagues and yeah, I mean, to sound cliche, but the kids, I really think there's something about, cause for me, I, I really learned how to teach reading well and, you know, shout out to Andrea and all of the people I've worked with who have helped me. Um, I love that. And when you start to see that click with kids and they start to kind of become great readers, that's amazing. And working with a kid one-on-one and listening to them read, whether they're sitting beside of me or, you know, on our couch in my classroom or whatever, and really focusing in on them, that's, man, that's magic. That's super cool. And so I feel like virtually I'm missing that some. And I can still help you and and teach you, but there's nothing like that personal interaction one-on-one or in a small group that really helps kids. I was hoping you'd say the uh, rectangle pizza. At, at you know, lunch. they don't have those anymore. No way. No, they don't. And I'm so brokenhearted. Oh, my gosh. That was like the favorite day of everybody during oh, the yeah. week. It was, I think it was... Um it was pizza, corn, and peaches. I think yes. it was a combination <laughs> usually of every cafeteria <laughs> around the world. Yes, and some of their yeah, we would have like fish sticks and or fish treasures. Oh wow, which is what they were called. Those fish never saw the ocean, and peas and mashed potatoes. And I thought, oh my goodness, but no, they don't have the square pizzas now. They still have the fiestata pizzas, okay. which is I think the shape of a hexagon or octagon. Okay, those are still pretty decent. So rectangle pizza. That's. It's one of the things I miss, man. Uh, yeah, I understand. Or the, uh, I, I was never a fan of celery, but they put the peanut butter in the celery. Oh, I know yes. back in the days when peanut butter was an outlaw, and I know you got uh, oh, yeah. nut allergy. But I remember, uh, uh, and I'm probably telling myself, uh, um, going through the lunch line and licking the peanut butter, I'll putting the celery back on, <laughs> on the plate and leaving it up there. But, uh, but yeah, those were the my days. You know, my favorite subjects were uh, lunch, recess, and PE were probably my, my three favorite subjects. Hey, I'm right there with you. And then you. maybe history or math, yeah. somewhere along the lines there. But You know, they used to have these things, and um, when I first started working, there was these cakes, and it was like a chocolate cake with like white icing on top. And it would depend on sometimes the day of the week, but sometimes that icing, you would have like, you know, a tiny bit of cake and like this huge level of icing. Yeah. And even being an adult teacher, I'd get down in the cafeteria, and that would be one of the first things I would scope out and be like, oh, I want that piece, you know. And I'd go get it off the shelf and wait until it was my time to check out. And it was good. I miss those days too. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the cafeteria. Well, Daniel, this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit, uh, not only about. Uh, your in, encounter here in education with the COVID experience, but just just your faith and your walk with Christ. Um, I'm actually going to post this on both my Amber podcast and Mozzie, so we can get the get the double table here okay. uh, uh, of listeners. But uh, again, just thank you for coming on, and I look forward to to having you on uh, again some other time. Well, you're welcome. I I appreciate this opportunity. This has always been kind of a dream of mine to to sit down and have a conversation, and record. So thank you, Roger. This has been an incredible experience. 